your website really needs to be optimized for conversion. People need to be able to find the information that they want to find quickly. They need to understand how to buy. It's Shark Week this week, and to celebrate, we have women who have been on Shark Tank and survived. Welcome to Shark Week on the Biz Women Rock podcast. What is going on? I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. This podcast specifically is here to be able to share the stories of really incredible business women uh, who are very willing to share the real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly about their business journeys um, so that you can really be inspired by it, so you can learn stuff from it, so you can feel connected to these women and know that you are not in this business journey alone. Uh, specifically, today is day number two of Shark Week. This is the second interview that we've had with women who've been on Shark Tank telling their stories. Uh, if you missed yesterday, make sure you go and listen. It was Kate and Sharon of Frill. It was an amazing conversation. Um, so here's the big gig with Shark Week and some fun stuff that we're doing. So just in case you missed this, here's what we do. We are creating an entire meme, a really awesome way to have a lot of fun and spread the word about these stories on the podcast. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash shark week. And there you're going to find a whole heck of a lot. I think there's about a dozen different shark pictures, really cool graphics that I've had made, especially for you. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to either download and print them or you're going to just hold up your iPad or your, you know, computer next to you and you're going to take a shark selfie. Literally, it's a selfie and you have this piece of paper in your hand, the cool little graphic, or you have your computer next to you and you're going to go post it on Facebook and or Twitter and you're going to hashtag like crazy. You're going to hashtag Biz Women Rock, Shark Tank, uh, Shark Week, you're going to hashtag, you can hashtag Barbara Corcoran if you want to, and Lori Grenier, you can hashtag, uh, go tag me, make sure that I'm actually seeing all of this stuff. And here's what happens is that it spreads like crazy. And all of a sudden, you see all of these women all literally all over the globe doing these shark selfies and really being able to connect and spreading the word about how awesome uh, these these interviews are, how awesome these stories are, and just having fun. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. We got really creative last year, and I suspect that this year is going to be even awesomer. Yes, I just said awesomer. I'm allowed to say that. So, all right. So anyway, so that's the rules. Bizwomenrock.com forward slash Shark Week. If you forget all of these rules, they're all there for you on that page, okay? As if having fun with these shark selfies was not fun enough, I have another great incentive for you. You can win a free pair of zero shoes today. Um, Lena Phoenix is our guest, and you're going to hear all about her shoes and her cool, awesome sandals, and you can win a totally free pair for yourself. How can you do that? All you're going to do is post your shark selfie today. That is Tuesday. This is the Tuesday of Shark Week. July 7th, you have all day to post your shark selfie. And when you do, you're going to automatically be entered into a drawing to win a free pair of zero shoes from Lena, which is going to be super cool. So all you have to do is go and post your shark selfie on Facebook and or Twitter. 
make sure to tag me so I see it and tag Biz Women Rock, um, hashtag Shark Week, Shark Tank. Um, and is if you post today up until midnight Eastern Eastern Standard Time, I literally have tried to say that five times and keep on, you know, re-recording it. So I'm just going with it. Midnight Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday, July 7th, when you post your shark selfie, you will be automatically entered into the drawing to win a free pair of shoes. So make sure you do that. Lena Phoenix is my guest today, and she's the owner of a company called Zero Shoes. That's zero spelled with an X, not a Z. Um, and this is an entire revolution going on in the shoe industry of uh, like trying to create a shoe that's as barefoot as possible. So she's got a fascinating story as to uh, how her husband first came into uh, have an interest in this. He is like this ultra sprinter runner and um, and actually runs in these shoes. And believe it or not, there is a huge community of runners who love running in these shoes that look like sandals, but the technology is amazing. Um, and we really go into a lot of what makes them so special. So the conversation with Lena really focuses on um, her role in the company, how she finally got on board with her husband's idea that she immediately didn't like in the very beginning, um, the growth that they've had along the way, some of the challenges that they've had in their growth, and the experience that they have had on Shark Tank. Um, their Shark Tank episode aired for the first time in February of 2013. So as of the time of this recording, uh, just a little over two years ago. And um, and so she talks about the process they went through, her experience on the show, the thing that surprised her the most about it, and of course, the effect that it has had on their business. And then towards the end, we really get into some of the more intimate parts about her experience as a business owner, what she does when shit hits the fan, <laughs> um, you know, how she structures herself, um, and how she keeps herself going when moments are really tough. The last thing that I'm going to say is that um, Lena was wonderful and sent me a pair of shoes, uh, totally in my size, and I wanted to try them out because I'm a runner, and um, I... Love them. I was such a skeptic. I was like, there is no way I'm running in a non-supported shoe. <laughs> and um, and she sent me a pair and I've tried them out. And man, do I really, really love them. So you've got a total believer here in what she does and, uh, and a total advocate for the business that she's creating. All right, let's get into Lena. Lena, thank you so much for being on the call today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I won't make the mistake and call you Zena, which is the combination of Lena and Zero, <laughs> spelled with an X, Zero Shoes. <laughs> Although you are a warrior princess, let's be honest. So, <laughs> Well, sometimes I do feel that way. Being in business has been quite challenging on a number of fronts, but uh, yeah, we are fighting the good fight. So I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really, really so stoked to be able to bring everyone your story today. Um, number one, I am a runner. And when I came across your shoes, like my jaw kind of like fell to the floor. And I was like, no way. No, this is not. <laughs> this is not possible. And then, you know, I get into the story. You get into the technology. You get into the education of it. And it just really starts making a lot of sense. So um, I'm really curious on the whole backstory on how you and your husband really got Zero Shoes started. Can you tell that? Yeah, definitely. So it really came out of um, my husband's 
uh, interest in running. He took up running at the age of 45, and he um, loved it. He's a sprinter, but he was getting injured all the time, and it was really frustrating for him because um, it would sideline him. You know, he'd get really into it, and then he'd get injured, and then he'd get sidelined, and and someone said, hey, have you ever heard of this book, Born to Run? It's about, you know, running barefoot and how being barefoot allows you to get more feedback from the ground than you can get when you're in uh, a padded running shoe, and some people find that they can use that feedback to improve their running form and uh, for some folks that can lead to a reduction in injuries and so my husband is um, you know he's a very empirical person he wants to try everything and so so he gave it a shot and it was uh, really dramatic for him he stopped getting injured um, he'd been pulling calf and hamstring muscles like every two weeks like on clockwork really and he stopped getting injured altogether he also had totally flat feet his whole life he had uh you know he jokes he had a 500 dollars a year orthotic habit you know he was always trying some new shoe or some something that was supposed to help and you know he's had back issues from an old gymnastics injury and and a number of things and and so um uh, when he he heard about this barefoot, he you know he wanted to give it a try, and it was really successful for him. And after about three months of going barefoot, he also discovered that he had developed very small arches in his lifelong flat feet. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Now, arch arches are a controversial point. You know, there's a lot of shoe companies that say you have to have arch support, and a lot of people feel that they need that. Um, but um, arch. Height is something that's generally genetic. Some people have high arches, some people have low arches. But arch strength is a function of how much you use your arches. And um, when you're barefoot, you have an opportunity to use them in a way that you don't when you have a lot of support in your shoes. And so, um, you know, there's the science behind this is very preliminary. There hasn't been a whole lot done. Um, but uh, you know, my husband's experience was very dramatic, and and so. It certainly got him interested in um, exploring further. Well, you know, he wanted to be barefoot all the time. I wasn't thrilled with the condition of his feet. Um, (laughs) And uh, so uh, Born to Run, the book I mentioned earlier, uh, it highlights this tribe of Native American, uh, I'm sorry, Mexican uh, Indians called the Tarahumara who are known for running 50, 60, 70 miles at a stretch uh, well into old age. Um, And they, they do it wearing sandals sandals that they make with the limited resources that they have, which are um, uh, scraps of tire, rubber tire, um, leather and leather that they have um, in available to them. And so these shoes were referred to as waraches. And so my husband decided to try to make a pair um, uh, using some rubber that he found from a shoe repli- uh, repair company and some some uh, cord that we found at a local hardware store. And um, that's how it started. Wow. And the first prototype was born. (laughs) And the first prototype was born. Yeah. So how did that go from, okay, he's just creating something that's going to help him to now you've got a business. What's what happened in between there? So um, when he went to buy the material to make his first pair of shoes, he couldn't just buy enough for one 
pair. They don't sell it like that. You have to buy it from a wholesaler. And so we had to buy a certain quantity. And so my husband went to the local Barefoot Club and he said, hey, is anybody else interested? And he got a group of people to go in on this with him. And then he was sitting on the CU campus and making shoes. And all these people came up and they're like, hey, what is that? What are you doing? That's so cool. Can I get a pair? And so after the third round of this, because we just kept getting more rubber and making more shoes, um, the guy who coached the Barefoot Club said, hey, I'm writing a book. And, and you know, if you had a website, I'd put you in the book. Wow. And so Stephen came home and he said, hey, what do you think? And I said, no, this is a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, we were actually in the process of starting another business um, where we were looking at helping uh, small businesses uh, improve their Google search ranking okay. um, because my husband has a background in internet marketing. And so uh, we were looking for how can we use that, um, you know, to help small businesses. And, and, and so I said, no, we need to stay focused on what we're doing and this terrible idea. So he said, okay. And then I went to bed and then he's like, well, I'm just going to throw up a website just to see what happens. And um, so I was a little irritated, but um, within, we got our sale, first sale within a few days. What? Um, and, you know, because the way he sold me on it was he's like, well, we'll just use this as a test case for what we know about <laughs> getting (laughs) ranking and so you know we can use it to help our other business but it it became apparent to us very quickly that there was a real demand for this type of thing and um you know we we have to give thanks to christopher mcdougall who wrote the book born to run because um he's the one who really inspired this whole movement and um uh so a lot of people had read that book and they were looking online for information about barefoot running and you know what what could you what kind of shoes could you wear that were like barefoot and and this was in the very early days so there weren't a lot of options and so we just happened to be able to um uh put ourselves in, in front of those folks who were searching. And so, so part of it was just knowing, you know, what to do, uh, in terms of building a site and, you know, making it search friendly and and things like that. But we also did a lot of outreach because, um, you know, a lot of people had heard of Born to Run, but they didn't really know anything about it. And it's like some people, for some people, it's like, that's totally common sense. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, and other people were like, no, you need, you know, you need, shoes you need expensive structured technical shoes and um so we we put together um outreach to bloggers in the running community people who had um decent sized followings um as you know running bloggers and said hey we'll send you a pair of our shoes and you know just ask that that you uh, let your readers know what you think and so that was one of the grassroots things that we did wow, to that's a great idea help start getting the word out about our product in the, in the um, running community. And so we had a lot of folks who were kind of not, uh, they were new to the idea and are, you know, they uh, got a chance to give us a try, uh, you, you know, and you get, um, give our product a try rather. And, um, you know, you get all kinds of opinions when yeah. you do that. Some people like what you're doing and other people don't, and they're not shy about saying it, but, um, um, but it helped start getting our name out there. It helped, um, you know, uh, get back backlinks for us. And, and so it was a good, good tool. 
Well, and you bring up a very interesting point, and this might speak to anyone listening who whose product or service is very anti the norm, because yours yours goes against the common knowledge of what people think of for running shoes. And so you really have to do a lot of education in order to get people on board already. It's not like... Like you're not really, you know, a, f- a full competitor in the shoe market. Like you, your competitor is not New Balance because New Balance is talking to a different customer than you are. Like you're really, you might convert some of those customers, but you know, you're you really have to do a ton of education in order to first have people and runners see that this is even possible and that they believe in the 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 whole paradigm of being able to to run barefoot and and that whole process. So. Um, so I would imagine, I mean, do you guys do a lot of education even now? I know obviously you did in the beginning, but do you continue to do that? Well, there's a couple of pieces to it and, and you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, one of the things that we, uh, were very lucky in is that, um, consumers got ahead of the running shoe companies in, in this whole barefoot running movement because of, of um, what was happening with the book and, and um, you know, just the popularity of that. And so there were some customers who came to our site who were already pre-educated because they'd been exposed to, um, you know, or they'd been told about it by friends who had had really good experiences with it. And um, But it, it's definitely been an interesting thing for us because we saw very early on, like, what would happen is... Um, the runner in the family would hear about our shoes. They would get a pair, and a week later, we would get an order for four more pairs because <laughs> everybody else was like, "Oh my God, those are so cute! Those are so cool! Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome! I want to make my own shoes." You know, because we started out selling do-it-yourself shoe kits, right? Um, and Where people could actually like cut it according to their specific foot size, and you know, you exactly. could really customize it. Exactly. So every customer, whether we made it for them as a custom product or they made it themselves with a kit, every customer had a custom shoe. And we had a lot of um, families who would do it as like a craft project. Everybody would get a kit and they'd all make shoes together and then they decorate them with, you know, beads and charms and all different kinds of stuff. And so, so we saw very quickly that there was a desire for this kind of lightweight footwear that gives you more intimate contact with the ground than um, just in the a performance running community. Um, and so we started thinking about, well, okay, so so what can we do about that? And that really led to the evolution of our, our, our product. You know, first we were just buying rubber and materials off the shelf and reselling it. And we discovered pretty quickly because we grew so fast our suppliers couldn't keep up with us. We, we this was a totally new thing. So I'm trying to buy, you know, um, uh, very large quantities of rubber that is traditionally not sold in very large quantities. And and we discovered pretty soon, it's like, oh, if we're going to keep pace with demand, we're going to have to start making our own stuff. And that led us down a whole new path of business that neither one of us had ever been down before. So you guys um, make your own product? I mean, like you literally like make your own materials? We have become manufacturers of footwear. We started out as resellers of footwear materials. Um, but we now manufacture our own footwear. And we went from, uh, you know, do-it-yourself sandal kits to actually we just released uh, really the fourth evolution of our product, which is a 
uh, lightweight performance recreation sandal. So if you've ever seen a sports sandal mm -hmm. um, that, you know, sometimes people use for hiking or things like that, um, a lot of people really like doing outdoor activities in sandals, but all of the sports sandals out there have very uh, thick, clunky, and heavy yeah. soles. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, the uh, latest generation of our product is called the Z-Trek, and it is a sports sandal um, with a very thin, flexible sole that allows you to feel the ground and allows your feet to move naturally the way they were designed and gives you that opportunity to be outdoors and have that intimate experience with the ground um, while at the same time having a little bit of protection from, you know, the things that you might step on. Right. So... Lena, I want to I want to kind of dig into a little bit about you in this whole process for a second. So I'm going to ask a two part question, and they're actually not related at all. But the first one is because you were kind of like ho hum in the very beginning, and like no way, whatever. And you know, Stephen, your husband ended up kind of just moving forward with it. I know that you said okay at a certain point it was very obvious, but when did you go all in? Like when did you say this is it and really feel the passion towards? this business that you guys were and this whole revolution that you guys were creating? Um, it happened fairly early on. Um, and it was a bit, it was kind of a random series of connections. My husband is a really social guy. He loves to meet people. He's constantly, he's very interested in people and curious about the world. And through just a series of people that he knew, he ended up meeting uh, some gentlemen who had been, they had started at Reebok when it was less than a million dollars in sales. Holy cow. That's yeah, early. <laughs> so, yeah, and they were footwear designers and sourcing manufacturer uh, manufacturer sourcing specialists, and so we met them fairly early on. And they said, "We want to help. This is the only interesting thing that's happening in footwear, and uh, you know, we'd really like to help you guys." Collectively, they had like 120 years worth of experience in the shoe industry, and uh, we said, "Okay, we would love to have you help us." And so they helped us uh, design the first generation of our product product and get set up with manufacturers and it was really kind of that nod from people who had been in the industry and said yeah what you guys are doing is for real and it's important and um you know there's a uh we we believe you can do really well with this that that was kind of the uh, confirmation that I needed to say okay um we we should really go for this this is it. Yep. What so what what is your role in the company now? I'm sure it's evolved quite a bit, but what what are you in charge of now? Where do you spend your time? Um so uh, yeah, everything. Um so <laughs> um <laughs> every businesswoman is nodding her head right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about it the other day, you know, I mean, it, 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 so officially my title is chief operations officer. Um my husband is the CEO and you know, he is unquestionably the vision behind the company. I mean, he has from the beginning seen all of the potential and the possibility of what this product could be and that it could be something that wasn't just catered to to quirky runners who who um, you know were were doing fifty mile races, but that it it actually had you know it was something that that uh, 
regular folks and and would want to use and that there could be expansion into you know like yoga is a natural market for us because um people who do yoga understand the importance of barefoot and the importance of using your feet and and um so from the beginning he's just seen all the opportunities and the directions that we could go with it and and also in terms of developing the product i mean um as as we said, we've gone from this do-it-yourself kit to a very sophisticated uh, performance uh, shoe, and he um, so he has been working on those two facets. And then in in terms of my role in the business, um, I do pretty much everything else. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you make all those ideas happen. Really, is what happens, right? Yeah, Got and it. so um, you know, setting up operations. You know, it's you, you know he's responsible for getting traffic to the website, and then I'm responsible for what happens once it gets there um you know and so making sure that we have smooth operations for getting our our orders out the door and um we had a product launch recently uh for the new z-trek sandal and uh we were very successful and we exceeded our expectations for that launch and it was really exciting but you know when you sell a lot of product then there's also you know there's a lot of folks who didn't get quite get the right size and um you know have questions and so you know the customer service side the interface side so you know that whole aspect of the business is critical because if you don't have that running smoothly you can have the best idea in the world but you're you're gonna die on you know trying to to deal with it and so there's that aspect of things but then I'm also um uh, finding myself having to learn a great deal about finance um, because, you know, we have uh, manufacturing your own product. There's certain challenges involved in that. It's a very expensive thing to set up. And so we've had to put the financing in place to to make that happen. Um, there's also been a lot on the legal side. You know, we ha- um, being in footwear is very much about building a successful brand. And um, if you want to build a brand, then you need to make sure that you have the appropriate trademarks in place and and that you know if you're opening up a new market you're set up to do that properly and so so none of these things are things that I knew anything about but have had to learn about along the way and so um so yeah that's that's um that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about an experience that you had that for everyone who's ever touched it has significantly altered the forward movement of their business, and that's being involved in Shark Tank. So back in February of 2013, your very first episode, uh, your very first airing of your Shark Tank experience aired. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about your experience there. Um, And the very first question I have is, um, as you were going in, like, how, how long did it take you to really prepare your pitch? you know, kind of get everything right to have everything set so that you felt like, okay, when, cause you guys looked really calm <laughs> during that pitch, <laughs> I gotta say. So how long did you spend preparing? Um, that is a very good question. So we applied during open casting, which they usually do in the spring. Um, and we had sent an email and, uh, they contacted us and they said, Hey, you know, send us a video. And, uh, we worked very, very hard on that video. Um, it's it's a little bit unfair because my husband is a former stand-up comic who also has a master's in film. So, He's a little um, comfortable in, in front of the camera, right? <laughs> yeah, so he has you know years of performance experience. So for him, it was kind of a no-brainer. Um, you know, for me, it was definitely a very surreal experience, but we... Um, 
uh, I knew that that I would be most comfortable uh, having all of my numbers down and knowing as much information as I could. So we we watched every single episode of the show uh, that had aired prior to that date. So the first three seasons, we. Uh, paid really close attention to what deals were made and what the um, uh, what the numbers for those deals were. We read um, each of the sharks has some sort of some have written memoirs. You know, some have like Cuban at that time had a collection of uh, blog posts that he'd been compiled into an ebook. So we read everything we could that they had produced. So we understood each of the sharks mm-hmm. um, and where they were coming from going in. Um, and, you know, then we just make sure that we knew our numbers upside down and backwards. Um, you know, the question of what you're going to ask for in terms of valuation is, is always a big one. And, and in the shoe industry, uh, it's, um, valuation is really dependent on whether people are looking at historical, uh, past performance or how much that value they are giving to future potential growth. And so we interviewed a lot of people, a lot of finance people, a lot of shoe people about what an appropriate valuation would be for a company like ours at our stage. And we got quite a range um, depending on whether they valued history or potential. Um, and uh, so then we settled somewhere in the middle and we knew that, you know, we would probably have a little room to negotiate in there uh, as well if we got the right offer from the right shark. And so that's how we settled on that. Well, and you guys ended up having going in there, valuing your, your business at $5 million, which is a little higher than what they normally see in there. And so they, I mean, they were initially kind of shocked at it. Like, whoa, wait a minute, you guys... You know, I don't know about that. So obviously, they're initially, uh, you know, kind of skeptical. What was what was one of the toughest moments for you during your shoot? Um, I think the toughest moment during the shoot. Um, I'm not sure how to answer that question. I think it was just recognizing that you know some of the people that we were most interested in. Um, kind of weren't interested right out of the gate. And so, um, like, uh, we were particularly interested in working with Barbara, and she just took an instant dislike to uh, Stephen. And so um, we didn't really get much of a chance to to talk to her because she was out before uh, we even really had much discussion. And so, um, and... I, uh, yeah, it's it's a television show, so yeah. uh, it's just a very strange situation to be in, um, and so I think it was just the surrealness of the whole experience. Was there anything, I, I guess, about the whole experience that really kind of knocked you out on your feet, meaning, meaning like, you know, did it really surprise you? Was there something that you just, that happened that you were like, wow, I didn't expect that to happen, like whether it was good or bad or something else? The, the biggest thing that we hadn't realized going in is, you know, we expected that we would do pretty well because we knew our numbers, we had a good business, we had a real business. You know, you, you talked about how high our valuation was, and yet in comparison to the shows 
to the companies that had been on the show up to that point in time, we were actually farther along mm. than a number of companies that had been on prior to us. Not all of them, um, but there were some very, very early stage companies in the first few seasons. Um, whereas we were, we were actually, we had actual revenue. Right. <laughs> um, and, and significant so, revenue. I think you guys, uh, I think if I'm remembering correctly, you had like $650,000 in sales at that point, right? Yeah, we were we were on track for that, and you know we'd done, uh, you know our first year we'd done one hundred and fourteen thousand in sales, and our second year we'd done two fifty, and so we were doubling every year at that point, and uh, you know we were we were well on track to beat that that year. So, um, so um, uh, we knew that or we expected that we would do pretty well. We we we. Um, knew there was always an element of uncertainty in any kind of, you know, filming of something. But when you're watching the show as an audience member, um, it's hard. We didn't really realize that the entrepreneurs are not the stars of the show. The the sharks are the stars of the show. And, you know, when you're watching the segment, you're focused on the entrepreneurs because you know the sharks and, you know, the entrepreneurs are new. And But when you're when we were filming the show, we realized that the sharks are really the stars of the show. And we, while we did the best possible presentation we could, we were in there for quite some time. And ultimately, you know, there's always editing involved. And we just didn't know when we came out. We thought, gosh, we don't know what it's going to look like when it gets on the air. And so that was, I think, the most nerve wracking part was not the actual filming, but just wondering how it was going to come across once once it was presented. So what didn't we see that you feel like, oh, man, I wish people would have seen that part? Oh, um, I, there, I, I think we're not actually allowed to talk about that. Mm. <laughs> um, Darn it, Shark Tank. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the conversations are always just a lot longer. You know, the, the segments, uh, you know, the segments on the show are, are always, um, it, I think, between eight and 11 minutes or, or something like that. You know, it's, it's fit down into a, into the the time slot that they have available, and so so um, you know there was just a lot of discussion and conversation, and and um, you know ultimately when when the show aired, um, we felt really grateful that they had chosen to um, present us the way that we did. We felt we got a really uh, great uh, presentation of our business and who we were, and you know Robert uh, got a chance to try on the shoes, and he loved them. Yeah, you know, he had a great reaction to them. He had a great reaction. And so we felt very lucky and fortunate uh, that that it ultimately turned out to be a really good um, boost for our business. Um, but, you know, it, we just didn't know, you know, going in what what it would look like on the other side until we saw it. Now, you ended up getting an offer, but you turned it down. Can you talk a little bit about why? Like, did you and your husband have kind of parameters that had set parameters like, okay, we're going to say yes to this. And if negotiations start, this is kind of where we say no. And why did you guys end up turning it down? Um, we turned it down because he wanted ha- he wanted a controlling interest in our company. Um, and we were not willing to give up a controlling interest in our company for uh, such a low dollar amount. Um, it, it was not in our 
eyes, it was it was uh, significantly undervaluing the company, um, and it just wasn't a good offer. Um, and so, um, uh, it, that was not a difficult decision to make. We, my husband and I, had had some debates about what uh, kind of valuation we would accept. Um, uh, but we didn't get close enough to to have that be a, a serious conversation. So, right. so when Kevin made the offer, um, you know, one of the things that I was interested in was um, what else he might be able to contribute to the business, aside, you know, in addition to funding, um, because some sharks are more actively involved with their companies than others, and and some you know take a real active hand in it, and others can make connections for the entrepreneurs that they wouldn't be able to make on their own. And um, you know, while I don't doubt that he had a great deal of business knowledge and expertise, um, there wasn't anything. Uh, specific that he mentioned in addition to you know the the cash that that would cause us to consider evaluation at that price mm. so the big question is what happened in the aftermath what happened that night what ha- what has happened you know immediately after the exposure from shark tank so um, it was really good for our business. It's very difficult to predict the impact of a Shark Tank segment on sales because um, so many of them are consumer products. And consumer products, you know, you're comparing um, apples and alligators. You know, I mean, it's it's really difficult to know if one product and company does really well on Shark Tank, you know, what does that mean for another one in a totally different segment in a totally different category? So one of the things that was very difficult for us is um, even though we shot over the summer, we didn't know if or when the segment would actually air. Um, and so, and then we didn't know what impact that it would have on our sales. And so we thought, well, do we bring in more inventory? Do we, you know, like what, how do you project something that is, is completely unknowable essentially? And how do you plan for that? And so, um, so we made a decision to, to place an order for a little bit of extra inventory, and um, we found out over Christmas that we, we were going to be airing in February, and we had been working very hard to upgrade our website. That's something that a lot of Shark Tank companies uh, have struggled with, including us, is because, um, you know, I think there were 6.4 million viewers on the night of our uh, airing, plus, you know, the, all the DVRs and all the stuff that comes in after that, and so, you know, it was obviously the biggest audience we'd ever seen and our website did crash um, because it just wasn't prepared to handle that much traffic we had been working on upgrading our website for um, months and the programmer had just not been getting it done and we ended up having to bring in emergency last minute uh, programming help to to get the new site launched and get it up and and we just didn't have time to adequately test it so so there was a lot of you know hair hair pulling and gnashing of teeth and, you know, rending of shirts because, you know, you get all this traffic and nobody can get to your site. But um, um, so I think Stephen didn't sleep at all uh, that first night. And uh, it was funny when we were watching the show, we actually had a little Shark Tank watching party and, and um, every, you know, the whole staff was in and, and the phones didn't start ringing right away. And so we thought, well, okay, I guess, you know, maybe that won't be such a big deal. And so we sent everybody home and then the phone started. <laughs> and, uh, 
they did not stop ringing for for uh, a good solid week. We ended up selling three thousand of our shoe kits in that uh, first week following the airing. Wow! Which um, for February, for what is essentially a, a, a summer uh, apparel product, uh, was pretty good. And so, so just um, as a comparison, real quick, how how much how how much would you normally have have sold in a week? Um, at that time of year, yeah, like at that time during that year, like what would you, what was your average weekly sale compared? Oh, to- yeah, I would say it was uh, probably. Uh, let me let me think about that. We might have sold a couple hundred pairs or something like that. And now you got three thousand, so that's definitely and, a huge jump. Yeah, and we were, you know, I mean, it, it was. Um, we were unprepared for it because, you know, we, we didn't expect it to, you know, we thought, oh, we might sell, you know, maybe if we got lucky, we'll sell a thousand pairs or something. And so um, we, we had friends coming in, helping us pack orders. We, um, you know, we, we set up assembly lines, you know, it, it, we, everybody was doing everything. It was very chaotic. And, um, but, you know, it was really exciting. We, we felt really lucky and really grateful um, that people had responded so well to our product. And it was um, also just an incredible affirmation for us of the fact that this is not just like a quirky running product, right. that most of the people who watch Shark Tank, they didn't know anything about barefoot running. They'd never heard of Born to Run. They'd never heard of Christopher McDougall. They just called us up and they said, I hate shoes. I hate not being able to, you know, I want to be barefoot all the time. And this is like the perfect compromise. And so um, that was really good affirmation for us that there is a broader market beyond the kind of niche uh, barefoot running market where we started. Right. So um, a couple questions for you, because I know you said that Stephen has had, you know, a lot of history in internet marketing, and he's really in charge of driving traffic. What, what are some like one or two of the strategies that you guys use to drive traffic? And I'm saying this because you have a majority of your sales happen through your website. That's um, correct. So what, what are you guys doing online that really drives traffic there? So um, there's, there's a number of things. Um, in addition, we actually still use the same kind of grassroots um, blogger outreach, reviewer outreach that we did in the beginning. In fact, for this most recent um, product launch, we we sent review pairs to everybody we could think of and said, hey, you know, check them out. Let us know what you think. Let your, let your readers know what you think. Um, we also participated very actively in forums and online communities um, uh, on the specific topics that we were interested in. Um, We've worked very hard to optimize our website. Um, you know, a lot of people build websites with just um, kind of like, how does it look? You know, that looks cool or I like that. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we've learned is that, that um, your website really needs to be optimized for conversion. People need to be able to find the information that they want to find quickly. They need to understand how to buy um, it, and they um, you have to make it as easy for them as possible to to get the information that they want to get. So we've worked very very hard on creating our website as a place where people can not only um, buy our shoes, but also get information and education about, um, uh, you know, what this product is and, um, 
what's actually true about it and what's not true about it. There's a lot of confusion and claims and counterclaims about, you know, this whole topic. And so we've really worked hard to be a um, an honest source of information about, um, you know, running form and what shoes can and can't do uh, in relationship to running form and injuries and all those kinds of things um, uh, based on what's actually been shown and demonstrated in, in the studies that have been done. So, so um, we've done conversion optimization testing, um, you know, which is where um, you do, you know, you show a certain number of people um, one version of a site and then you so, show another version to other folks and you see which one does better. And um, so we've worked very, very hard on that side as well. Gotcha. Lena, what, um, I'm always curious from people who are organizers and people who do a lot of the behind the scenes on how you actually structure yourself. Like what, wh- how do you structure your day so that you're getting your priorities accomplished so that you're actually moving forward? <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because, you know, for the last six months, it's sort of been just sheer panic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy cow, just hurt. keep moving, keep moving. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I'm i one of those people who finished my term papers a week early in, in school because I hate deadlines, and I do not like being stressed out, and I am really in the wrong business because <laughs> uh, the footwear industry is um, – it's a seasonal business. You know, you have your, your spring collection, you have your fall collection. You know, we, we're, we've been a sandal company up to this point. So we're, you know, we're very focused on meeting the deadlines for our, um, uh, spring product launch. And, uh, you, you know, if you miss those deadlines, you, you can't just miss them by a little bit, uh, because if you miss them by a little bit, you miss them by a year. Um, and so, um, you know, in my personal life, prior to starting this business, I'd always worked very hard to balance my schedule and make sure I had plenty of slack so that, you know, I had time to get everything done that I needed to get done. And then I would have time to, uh, uh, you know, some extra time in case something took longer. And and I scheduled myself very carefully. Um, and as this business has grown, um, that's totally gone out the window. Um <laughs> Because there, you know, there are so many things that I didn't know uh, I was going to need to be involved in. And so that's been one of the biggest challenges for me as a business owner is, you know, it's like, I know I'm responsible for these things, but then suddenly this happens. And that's a whole new thing I need to learn about and deal with. um, And it's usually on an urgent basis. And so um, to to be blunt about it, I've actually done a very poor job. Um, I uh, have, um, you know, we've managed to get everything done on time, but um, we're we're tired, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, we we've just launched our new spring product. We've got our new website up. We've moved our office. That was one of the big things that happened last year. Is um, we rented our we started this business in our house and in a corner of a bedroom and uh then i was like hey can we get a table um you know 
and, 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 and you like, slowly oh. evolved from there. <laughs> yeah. So by the time we moved out of the house, we had um, two offices, the living room, the dining room, and the garage were all totally full of the business. And so we had rented a commercial space. And then when that lease expired, we needed more space. And so, so we moved uh, over Christmas. And we also had some staff turnover at that same time uh, related to the move while we were in the middle of developing the new product. So I, I, I um, haven't really known what day of the week it is since last year. Um, and um, so, yes, did I answer your question? Yeah. Yes, very honestly. Thank you. Um, somewhat related, I would love to hear what you do when shit hits the fan. Like, what is your mode? Like, what do you do in really tough moments? What... Give me an example of what one of those has been and what typically do you do to get through it? Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that has happened over time as um, shit has hit the fan repeatedly is that you develop a higher threshold for what you consider stress. Um, It was actually uh, in Robert Herjavec's book, actually. He said one of the things about being an entrepreneur is... um, you know, you're walking down the street and a p- piano suddenly falls out of the sky and lands an inch from you. And, you know, he's like, when you start the business, you're like, oh my God, I almost got hit by a piano. But after you've been in business for a while, you kind of look over and you're like, huh, a piano. And you just <laughs> keep walking. You're like, wow, could have been something bigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I feel like that has been one of the ways that the business has changed me is that my, like what used to stress me out uh, five years ago, it's like, it doesn't, you know, like I don't even notice that anymore. So you, I, you just develop a higher tolerance for um, uh, the sudden appearance of fires that need to be put out. Um, and you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, my husband and I have a really strong partnership. We um, work together towards solving the problems. And I think that's one of the things that's really critical, no matter what time of type of team that you're on is everybody on the team has to be committed to working together to solve the problem. Um, you know, if you have funky communication dynamics going on and you have people who are not totally on board and, you know, you're, you're not going to get very far unless everybody is on the same page going the same direction. And so that's something, you know, we work very hard to do to make sure that all of our employees, you know, understand what our mission is and where we're going and, and that, um, you know, they feel like they're an important part of the process because they absolutely are. And um, so I think that's that's been a lot of it is just making sure that, you know, we have a good team and that everybody is working together um, to uh, to solve problems when they arise. Yeah. I want to end this conversation with the question of how, um, you know, oh, my gosh, I just went blank on it. Holy cow. Um, I I should have wrote it down. I usually write it down whenever I have a great question that comes up. Um, Oh, my goodness. Um, Oh, the question is, why? What keeps you going? I mean, you you know, you mentioned like, we're tired, and it's stressful. And, you know, there's a lot of great stuff that happens in business. And there's a lot of kind of crappy stuff that happens in business. So what is it that keeps you going? What is that fire that burns inside of you that keeps you moving forward? 
So there's actually two pieces to it. And one is that we really believe in our product. Um, you know, Stephen, obviously, I told you his story. For me, um, you know, when he first made me a pair, like, I didn't know anything about this. And I, I was like, thanks, honey. You know, like, <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, but I literally put them on to humor him. And I just fell in love with the sensation. And for whatever reason, they were the only shoes I wore for a week. And then when I went and tried to put on my regular shoes, my so-called comfort shoes, they just felt horrible on my feet. You know, they were really heavy and they were really stiff and I couldn't feel anything. And, and I was like, okay, there's really no going back for me. And very early on, we actually got an email from a customer and it, I, I will just never forget this. He had been a very active student athlete and he had been sidelined by injury and um, our shoes had been part of what had really helped him uh, uh, regain his foot strength and get, you know, become athletic again. And he sent us this email and he said, I just have to send your entire team my heartfelt thanks. And it was so moving for me. Um, and I, you know, I will never forget that because it, it just helps me to know that, you know, it's like, there's a lot of people who wear our shoes cause they're cool and they like them and, you know, but there's a lot of people who've had a really positive experience with our shoes. And so it helps me personally to know that there's real value in the product that we're selling. Um, it's, it's a business that has meaning for me. And so, um, that's one piece of it. And the second piece is just that, the more that we've gotten into it, uh, the more fascinating it becomes. We've, it's certainly been really difficult. We've encountered so many challenges we never imagined we would have to deal with. But at the same time, I've discovered all these different sides of myself that I didn't even know I had. If you had told me I was going to have to deal with X, Y, and Z, and that I do, you know, uh, Q, P and R, I would not have believed you. And so it's been such an incredible vehicle for my own growth and development. And um, it's just made me interested in so many things. You mentioned you're a really curious person, and I am too. And the more we get into this, the more I learn and the more I realize there is to learn. And um, yeah, I, that curiosity and um, the ability to and the privilege to just um, see this happening is is been a big uh, motivating force for me. I love it. Well, Lena, thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, the the interest and and it's been a pleasure talking with you. that I'm totally all about what Lena is up to and you know what she's really doing in the industry. The, I got to tell you, there was one really cool nugget that she mentioned twice about how she markets and how they launch product and how they really do some grassroots marketing that I thought was brilliant, which is she sends samples to bloggers, to influencers, and um, and people in their niche who are talking to their customers, and they convert them, they become believers, and then they shout it out from the rooftops about how awesome the product is, just like I did at the very beginning of this podcast, because holy cow, they're awesome. So, um, you know, I just thought that that was brilliant. So if you have a product that... Um, that you want people to see, one of the ways that you might market is actually going to influencers of those people, going to people who um, are, are leaders in, in front of your end user 
and give them samples of what you got and and go let them talk about you. So just a brilliant idea. That wraps up the second interview for this week's Shark Tank series during Shark Week. Uh, Stay tuned tomorrow for our number three. Um, I'll give you a little hint. The Natural Grip. Ooh! And remember, I want you to participate in the Shark Week shark selfie craziness that is happening on Facebook and Twitter. So make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash shark week. All right. You're awesome. I'll see you tomorrow.